Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of John, chapter 13, verses 21 through 38. Now Jesus was deeply troubled, and he exclaimed, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at each other, wondering whom he could mean. The disciple Jesus loved was sitting next to Jesus at the table. Simon Peter motioned to him, asked, who's he talking about? So that, that disciple leaned over to Jesus and asked, Lord, who is it? Jesus responded, it is the one to whom I give the bread I dip in the bowl. And when he had dipped it, he gave it to Judas, son of Simon Issachar. When Judas had eaten the bread, Satan entered him. Then Jesus told him, hurry and do what you're going to do. None of the others at the table knew what Jesus meant. Since Judas was their treasurer, some thought Jesus was telling him to go and pay for the food or to give some money to the poor. So Jesus left at once, going out into the night. As soon as Jesus left the room, Jesus said, The time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory, and God will be glorified because of him. And since God receives glory from the Son, he will give his own glory to the Son, and he will do so at once. Dear children, I will be with you only a little longer. And as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but you cannot come where I'm going. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other, just as I have loved you and you should love each other. Your love for the one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Simon Peter asked, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, you can't go with me now, but you will follow me later. But why can't I come now? He asked, I'm ready to die for you. Jesus answered, die for me? I tell you the truth, Peter, before the rooster, before the rooster crawls tomorrow. Try that again. I tell you the truth, Peter, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you ever knew me. This morning, we're going to begin a new sermon series, which I've called the series of unfortunate events. And so far, we're having an unfortunate event. There we go. Or is it a series of fortunate events? Maybe some of you have, uh, are familiar with the children's books, a series of unfortunate events. It was written by a man who went by the pen name Lemony Snickets. Isn't that a wonderful name? Lemony Snickets. I am going to confess to you, I never read a single book. I think there were some movies or some television shows given, I have to admit, I didn't watch a one. But from what I understand, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, there were some children, three children, who had lost their parents and lived with their uncle, Count Olaf. Am I right? Am I, am I close? And Count Olaf did, he, he wanted to take their inheritance, he wanted to... He just was greedy. He wanted uh, everything that the, that the children once had, and he set up a series of disasters, of unfortunate events for these children. And I'm going to hope, and I'm going to pray at the end of this, I think it's a 13 volume, I'm hoping that the children win. 
I don't know, but uh, I hope they do. And so this morning, we're going to begin to look at a series of events in the life ministry of Jesus Christ. We may look at them from our point of view, from a human point of view, as disastrous or unfortunate. But the, the three specific events that we'll look over the next three weeks, actually we'll find are fortunate events because they have eternal value. They make an eternal impact. They are very transformational when we begin to examine. So we're going to begin by looking at an event de dealing with betrayal and denial. Does this Latin title familiar to anybody? Et tu brute. Anybody William Shakespeare fans? I know that all the children were forced to read Romeo and Juliet, or perhaps you read Julius Caesar, because that's where this phrase comes from. It's made famous in the, in, the, in the writing of William Shakespeare concerning Julius Caesar, and it was really based off uh, some true events. You see, Julius Caesar being uh, the emperor of Rome at the time had, you know, several men that were close to him, and the man by the name of Brutus was one of his closest companions. And Brutus was the type of guy who, he, he believed in Julius's plan for Rome. He, he believed in the beginning what was to be done. But there came a point in Julius Caesar's life where he began to, to make himself uh, a, 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 a supreme or perpetual dictator and to be deified as a god. That was a breaking point for Brutus, and Brutus became one of the leaders involved in the assassination of Julius Caesar. And so William Shakespeare had caught the words, et tu, Brute, as Julius Caesar saying, you too, Brutus, you too will betray me? Well, I thought it, that title would be very fitting for the message today because we're going to be looking at a betrayal by one Judas Iscariot and a denial by the apostle Peter. Because et tu brute is an expression of betrayal, and we may see that it is an unfortunate betrayal by Judas. Now let's get the scene for a moment in our, in our text this morning. When we consider the unfortunate betrayal by Judas, they were in the upper room. Jesus had just washed the disciples' feet. That was an amazing event in of itself, teaching the disciples that they are to serve one another. He also went on and began to talk about uh, his, his soon departure, his coming death. And, and in relating to that, that death, he begins to share in John 13, 18, he says, I'm not speaking of all of you. In other words, he is not including all the apostles. I know whom I have chosen, but the Scripture which will be fulfilled, he who ate my bread has lifted up his heel against me. 
So as Jesus began to impart to them that there's going to be a betrayal, and, and eventually we will learn that it is by one Judas, there's some things that we need to consider, some facts about this betrayal that's in our text that we need to, to, to take and to uh, let, it, let it sink into our hearts and to our minds. It was a betrayal by a close friend. Have you, do you have a close friend? I, 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 have, I have several close friends. I have, I have friends uh, that uh, I, I, I would hope that they would never betray me. I, I would hope that they'd be ones that never throw me under the bus. Have you ever been thrown under the bus? It, it's, it doesn't feel so good. I'm sorry, I'm praying for you. I guess it hurts, though, when you're not only thrown under the bus, but they back over you. But it was a betrayal of such nature. It was a betrayal by a close friend. And, and when Jesus quoted in John 13, 8, this specific scripture, he was quoting a psalm. And look at what this psalm says. He says, even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted his hill against me. Think about that for a moment. Judas Iscariot was one who followed Jesus for three and a half years. He ate with Jesus. He shared the same room when they laid down at night together. He was there at some very pivotal teaching and miracles. Judas heard and he saw with his own eyes the Messiah and the Savior of the world. He was so entrusted with the money of the disciples. He was, he, he, he was the church treasurer, more or less. He was given the money to watch over. He was, he was trusted. He was close. He was, he was, he was just as dear to him as, as any of the twelve. And it'll be this close friend that will betray Jesus. The second fact, the second fact, well, let me back up. I have a verse to read. Notice, it says, It is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So, so, when he had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. Jesus said to him, what you are going to do, do quickly. I want you to take a look at this verse for a moment. Because to illustrate the closeness of a friend, which is very vital, when you're reclining at the table, some scholars believe that Judas may have been in a position of honor which would have been to Jesus' left. And so to give a piece of bread to someone was an act of friendship. And so notice that even in this betrayal, whom Jesus knew extended to Judas bread because Jesus considered him 
a friend. We'll talk about this a little bit more, but what an oper- a good opportunity for Ju- Judas to change his mind. But what does Jesus say? What you've prepared to do, go do it quickly. And Satan entered into him. Judas was a close friend. We also see then the second fact, it was a betrayal that disturbed the soul. And it should, right? Close friend. Look what it says about Jesus. After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, truly, truly, I say unto you, one of you will betray me. Can you imagine? This is the Savior of the world. This is God manifest in the flesh. This is God that knows the heart and minds of all men, who Judas was, who was the entrusted friend, who was a close companion, whom Jesus was about to give the morsel of bread, that within the heart of Jesus, he was troubled. Why? Because he loved Judas. He loved the betrayer, and it disturbed him for what Judas was about to do. But yet we see that Jesus gave Judas ample time and opportunity to change his mind. And now here it comes, the moment of Judas' betrayal, and it disturbed the soul of our Savior. The third fact, that it was a betrayal that the disciples did not see coming. Judas is pretty good. Judas is pretty good. We see in John 13, 29, through 30, that some thought that because Judas had the money bag, and that's what you call somebody, money bags. I don't know, my dad always called mom that. Hey, money bags. I guess because she took care of the finances, I'm not sure. But some thought that because Judas had the money bag, Jesus was telling him, by what we need for the feast, or that he should give something to the poor, so that after receiving the morsel of bread, he immediately went out and it was night. So even though the disciples had discussed one to another, who's going to betray Jesus? And John, the apostle, the beloved, leaning against Jesus' breast, asked, well, who is it? He says, the one who I'm going to give dip and give the bread. And they still didn't get it. They didn't see it. They didn't suspect. You know, because Judas is a close friend. Judas wouldn't betray Jesus. Judas wouldn't betray us too. Oh, he, Jesus must have just whispered to him that, you know, hey, since you're the treasurer, hey, go, go, go get things for the feast, go, go give money to the poor, whatever's needed. They did not suspect Judas. Not one bit. In fact, you know what they did in another scripture? Is they began to question, is it I? They, they were self-reflective. Am I going to betray But no, it was one that they would never thought that would betray Jesus, and it was Judas. I want us to think about these facts for a moment and how that we might be able to apply these facts to our lives. I want you to ask the question uh, yourself this morning. Would you sell out Jesus for gain? 
would you sell out Jesus for getting the video showed where Judas says it's not about the money, but that, that might be debatable. It could have been very well for the money. What it did reveal, that video or whatever, is that, that Judas wanted his own self-interest to be taken care of. So would you trade Jesus just to fulfill your wants and desires? Would that be you? Or are you living a double life? Think about that. Are you living a double life? You're here this morning. I serve Jesus. I, I sang praises. I gave a little money. Um, uh, you know, I might even, uh, you know, serve in some capacity. But man, when I'm out of here, woo, man, I'm going to live like the world. You're a saint on Sunday, Sunday and a sinner the rest of the time. Well, we're sinners all the time, to be honest. But we just live a double life. Was that Judas living that double life that he was walking with Jesus and, and doing all the right things and saying all the right things, but, but he's referred to as the son of, you know, uh, uh, you know that, that, that's been in, in, impacted by, by, by Satan and influence that, that he struggled within his own heart and mind. And it almost seemed like he was living that double life. Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount, he says, on that day, that's judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Sounds like some people lived a double life. It kind of sounds like there's some people that they were serving Christ outwardly, but their hearts have never changed. Seems like that's, that, 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 that's a plague in humanity. Do you realize that in the book of Isaiah, God was so furious with Israel, he says that, that, that uh, you know, your lips honor me, but your heart is so far from me. Is that you this morning? Maybe you're here this morning and you, and you do not have a, a real life-changing relationship with Christ? Have you accepted Him as your Savior? Have, have you acknowledged that you're a sinner? Because we're all sinners. And, and sin separates us from God, and that's why Jesus came, to die on the cross that our sins could be forgiven and we could be granted eternal life. And the only way to receive such salvation is not by acts of works or good deeds. It's only by faith in Christ and Him alone. We don't need to live a double life any longer. In fact, you know what Jesus is doing for you this morning? Jesus is extending to you the bread of friendship because he loves you. You might be in the sense of, 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 of being just like Judas in the sense of living that double life, you know, serving Jesus just to get something out of it, but Jesus is saying, look, I love you, I'm giving you a friend because Jesus wants your heart changed. Don't be a Judas. Be in love with Jesus, a servant wholeheartedly changed from the inside out.
So the unfortunate betrayal by Judas might be a fortunate example for us to make a course direction in our lives, to trust Jesus as our personal Savior. But wait, there's more, as Billy Mays says. There's the unfortunate denial by Peter. By Peter. And there's some facts. Same scene. Jesus just washed the disciples' feet. Judas leaves because he's going to go betray Christ. Jesus just then, between these events, tells the disciples, look, I'm going to be glorified. I'm leaving. I'm going to express the ultimate uh, 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 act of love, and I want you to love one another as I have loved you. And Jesus asked the question, where are you going? Where are you going? And Jesus says, you can't come with me. But Peter was a close friend. In fact, when you look at Peter's life, you could say that he was one of the first disciples whom Jesus called to follow him. Not only that, but he seems to be the inner circle. There are several times where Peter, James, and John were allowed in, in certain events and situations where the others were not. Peter was a close friend, a close confidant. I have to admit that Peter kind of reminds me of, of myself sometimes, you know, the open mouth, stick in foot kind of guy. I mean, that's kind of Peter. But, but there's no debate that he was a close friend of Jesus. But also, it was a denial by one who declared absolute loyalty. Absolute loyalty. Look what Peter said. Peter said to him, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Oh, Peter, you're a big talker. Have you ever met big talkers? You know, guys that, you know, might show a little, you know, machoism and, and you know, man, you know, man, if that guy came in, I, I would take him out. And also, the guy walks in and they, oh. I remember being in the military and uh, you'd have these big grown men, masculine, muscular men, you know, we're, we're, we're walking in all about to get our shots, Right? And in the military, you know, you either get, get two shots two ways, by needle or by gun, right? And all of a sudden, you see these guys strutting in, and this is nothing. And all of a sudden, that nurse shows that needle and also a little liquid, and they faint. <laughs> Big talkers. Big talkers, little men. Right? Hey, same thing in the battlefield. I was weary of the guys that said, man, we'll go in, we'll... You know, we'll, we'll, we'll fight, we'll kick butt, we'll take names. And then you wonder where they're at in the midst of the battle. You know, big talkers. Peter's a big talker. Lord, I will lay down my life for you. For you. But what did Jesus tell him? Peter, tonight, before the roaster crows three times, 
your absolute loyalty is going to fail. And you're going to deny me. I've often wondered in Peter's heart, because he's a big talker, kind of, I'll never deny you, Lord. That won't be me. But I can tell you the third fact is that it was a denial that caused great sorrow. I love the passage we find in Luke, Luke 22, 61 through 62. This kind of causes me to have goosebumps every time I think about and read this verse or verses. It says, And the Lord turned and looked at Peter, and Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, Before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. What happened just prior to this is that Jesus is on trial before the priests and the high priests. He's in the courtyard, and three times someone comes up to him, a young girl, and, uh, hey, aren't you one of those followers of Jesus? Oh, no. Aren't you a Galilean? You speak like a Galilean. Aren't you followers? No. Ask a third time. And each time, a rooster crowed. And then, and then, it says, and he went out and wept bitterly because look the Lord turned and looked at Peter could you imagine that the Lord's on trial he's already been you know slapped and you know things too and Peter's saying no I don't know him no I don't know him no I don't know him and they you all of a sudden you have the Savior going I see you Peter and I'm pretty sure that that was a piercing look. It was kind of like, you know, that mom look that gives the little kids when they're not doing something right. Right, Ashley? Yeah, that's right, man. Mom, mom, you know, little man's acting up, and all of a sudden you have that piercing look, and it just seems to have an effect on straightening up kids, right? Here's Jesus looking at, looking at Peter, and it dawned, that his absolute authority, that big talk, had failed, and he went out bitterly. But you know that the reaction by both men were totally different after this? Judas went away, and after the crucifixion of Jesus, killed himself. Peter went away sorrowful, thought of himself worthless. After the resurrection of Christ, Jesus comes, meets Peter, and says, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, then feed my sheep. Ask him that three times. Peter felt kind of unworthy, but Jesus thought he was worthy. But here's the fortunate response to Jesus. Oh, so let me get back up. I got an application to give. I'm just getting ahead of myself. Getting ahead of myself. Is will we deny Jesus in our conversation and behavior? Will we? I mean, think about it. I mean, I, our, our, our Savior has already been crucified. He, he's, he's alive today. He's in heaven. He's waiting to come bring us home. But while we're here on earth, can we not deny Him in our life? Can we not live in such a way that it doesn't even look like that we are a Christian at all? And Jesus is asking us, look, I, 
I just want you to be my followers. And, it, and if you're my follower, and if you love me, it's going gonna, it's gonna to show by the way you live. And, and that's why Paul wrote such a, a powerful passage of, 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 you know, not being conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We're not to be these chameleon Christians where we just blend into the world, but we're to live for Christ. When we live for Christ, we're going to stand out. We're going to be different, and it's okay. Because if we fail to live for Christ, what are we actually doing? Are we no better than Peter in denying him? So live out your life for Christ. And here's the fortunate response of Jesus. You ready for this? Whether you've betrayed or denied, the truth is the same. Jesus loves us unconditionally. Jesus loves us unconditionally. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter who you are. Jesus loves you. You may think of yourself, you know what, I've done some horrible things. There is no way Jesus would forgive me. Yes, he will. Really, there's only one thing in life that Jesus can't forgive, and that's unbelief. That's it. He forgives murderers, liars, cheaters, adulterers, it doesn't matter. He has the ability to forgive everything. And when someone who is brokenhearted and realizes what Jesus Christ did for them on the cross at Calvary, if you've betrayed or denied, Jesus is extending that bread of friendship, giving you another opportunity, another opportunity to change course, change your course, change direction, because he loves you unconditionally. You know, there's a, fam- there's a wonderful verse that Peter wrote under inspiration. It talked about, you know, when, when the Lord comes back and we begin to wonder, well, is he ever going to come back? And, 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 and the verse goes something like this, that the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. He's not slack concerning his promises. And, you know, and, and because of that, that, that eventually at, one, at some point, the reason he's refraining from coming is because he desires all men to repent and not perish. So every single day that God gives us is another single day for a soul to come to Christ. It's another day for someone to turn their life around because Jesus is extending that bread of friendship. And so the question is left with us, will we receive the bread? Will we take Christ's hand? Will we become his friend, not in action, but of heart and life? Will we live out and not deny him by by going out and following his commands that he's given to us? Will we live lives of holiness and not sinfulness? Will we live lives that will glorify him and not bring reproach to his name? What kind of life will we live before Jesus? Because it is Him whom we owe all allegiance. It is because of Christ we live out day to day to give Him honor and glory.
And Jesus saying, take this bread. I want you to be my friend. I want you to be my companion. I want you to be my brother, my sister. If you're here this morning not knowing Christ as your Savior, give your heart to Him today. As the Apostle Paul writes, there is no better day than today to receive Christ as Savior. For today is the day of salvation. Accept Him today because we're not promised tomorrow. Maybe you're going down a road where your life is, 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 is such where it, it could be looked at as betrayal or denial. Hey, stop where you are, turn around, and come back to Christ because He's waiting for you. He's like that prodigal son parable, the father who sees his son coming down the road, and he runs and wants to embrace the son. Be embraced this morning come home, come home and live for Christ. Live for Christ. You know, this morning, as we close our, the message out this morning, I, I want to ask you to stand. I want to ask you to stand this morning and we're going to have a time that we often refer to as an invitation and then an invitation to invite you to respond to the message and, and this is how you can respond to the message this morning is that you can come and you can say you know Todd I want to know Christ I don't have him in my life. And I want to tell you that he loves you, that he died for you, and he wants to save you. He wants to forgive you. He wants to impart to you eternal life. And he wants a relationship with you where he will never fail you. He will never leave you. He will always love you. Will you come to Christ this morning? Will you step out of the aisle and come forward and, and maybe just, 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 just cry out to God to save you? Because the Bible says that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But maybe you're here this morning. You know Jesus, but your life kind of looks like you don't. I want you to imagine Jesus handing you a piece of bread. says, loved one, you're my friend. I care about you. I want the best for you. I want you to come back to me. I want you to come home. Whatever you've been dabbling in, whatever life you've been living, it isn't good. And I've loved you. I've taught you. I've showed you. Come home. And maybe you're that person this morning. It just simply needs to come home. I just ask you to come home. As everyone will bow their heads and close their eyes. You know, if you're, you're here this morning and, 
And maybe you just simply need prayer. Maybe you, you want to come back to Christ. If you just want to slip your hand up, no one's looking, no one's watching. But I know how to pray for you. I see a hand. Christ loves you. Come back to Him. If you're here this morning and, 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 and maybe, you know, you might feel a little embarrassed about coming out and maybe talking with me and sharing Christ. That's okay. If you can't do it here, I'm going to be in the lobby. But my hope and prayer is that you'll leave here a child of God. A child of God. Let me lead us in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and for your grace and for your mercy. Father, we thank you for our, your friendship. We thank you for your love when we feel that we don't deserve it. We thank you for your salvation that you provided to us even though we feel we're unworthy. And Father, we give you all the honor and glory for making the way possible by making salvation a reality in your son Jesus Christ and it's in him and him alone that we have such a great salvation father thank you for saving us thank you for loving us thank you for being patient with us at times where our lives seem like a life of denial Father, I'm thankful that you are a God of second and third and fourth chances. That when we fall, you're there extending a hand to pick us up. Father, may our hearts this morning be ones that are drawing closer to you and have a desire to live before this world a life that is God-honoring. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for our service today and those that have come out. May our worship be acceptable to you, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.